It's Tuesday here on Inside the Pylon, the Quick Kicks podcast, and we continue to stay in the NFC North, this time digging into the Detroit Lions. Today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, giving coaches the ability to break down game film in order to pull stats, searchable clips, tendency reports, and much more from both desktop and mobile solutions. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon for one free breakdown today. Mark, we are staying in the NFC North. You're talking about a Lions team that is in somewhat of a transition this year, especially uh, with some early injuries in camp. And really, we're trying to figure out what the what the overall feel of this team is going to be heading into the season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, sort of the big news lately is Eric Ebron um, looked to have a lower leg injury. Hopefully, we can get an update on that. But yeah, I mean, curious to see where this team is going to go. They lose a great wide receiver in Calvin Johnson. I'm going to need to replace production there. Um, Can Matthew Stafford kind of have the season and the kind of year that people are hoping he could put together? So lots of questions, and we get the guy to give us some answers. Fortunately, as you said, we do have the man with the answers here. Jeff Risden is joining us uh, to talk a little bit of Lions football here. Jeff, uh, appreciate you joining us here. It's always great to be on with you guys. You're prying me away from watching um, even more Olympic volleyball on my my iPad and laptop at the same time. So this is a good little diversion for me. Well, I'll Jeff, t- how has the volleyball been so far? You know what? Uh, the, the American men uh, dropped a bad one to Canada on Sunday uh, that they should have won. And they're, they're going to have to really do well to finish out. But Kerry Walsh Jennings and, and April Ross looked very good. Hopeful that they'll bring home the gold because I don't think any of our other beach teams are going to do all that well. Now, Jeff, so are you telling me that you didn't get to watch any of the Hall of Fame game on Sunday? <laughs> Strangely, I missed that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the NFL is going to be hearing about this one for a while. Yeah. I ha- like we're, This is going to be a punchline all season for us. We can just keep going back to that well for a oh, while. Man. You know, it's terrible. Um, I, I used to live in that general area, and, and a very good friend of mine uh, lives just down the road. I mean, I, I've stayed at her house before to, to go to this event, and I can actually walk there if I had to. Uh, that area is devastatingly embarrassed by this, so uh, it, it's very unfortunate that it went down like that in Canton. Yeah, it is. It, it's definitely a tough one for uh, the area there. But let, let's talk a little bit of Lions here. I guess I'll kind of open it up uh, just with a general question to you. We're you know about a week and a half through camp at this point. What storylines have stood out to you the most thus far in Lions camp? Uh, a few things. Uh, first off, the, the way that they're replacing Calvin Johnson, uh, they are not asking Marvin Jones and, and uh, Anquan Bolden, who just signed in, uh, to replace him, to do the same things that he did. They have tinkered the offense quite a bit. You're going to see a whole lot of, of layered crosses and, and hooks and things like that to, to, to get guys open and take advantage of the yards after the catch ability on this team. Uh, which is actually really good. Uh, that's that's what Golden Tate does better than just about any other receiver. It is what Theo Riddick does better than any other running back. Uh, and with Anquan Bolden being a different kind of receiver uh, to try to tackle, uh, they, they have a lot of interesting weapons. Uh, it's it's very different. Uh, I, I only got to go to camp for one day, unfortunately, but uh, even what I saw, the, the, the route combinations are different. And when they did ask somebody to do what Calvin Johnson did, it wasn't even a wide receiver. It was Eric Ebron, uh, and he looked great doing it. Now, he unfortunately crumpled down in a heap about 20 yards in front of me uh, in Saturday's practice and, and mock game that they did. Uh, we haven't heard definitively yet um, as of recording time here 
it, if we, my, everybody's general thought is that if it was serious, we would know about it by now. So uh, we're hopeful that, that it will be well because he is poised for a breakout year. Uh, he came back with a newfound maturity this year uh, and, and was looking very good in camp. He was the best offensive player on the field from what I saw. And reports from camp have, have said that he's, he's quote unquote getting it. Uh, and it has definitely ascended to the hybrid status, you know, the hybrid wide receiver tight end status that everybody expected uh, in Detroit when they took him with the 10th overall pick in 2013 uh, instead of taking Aaron Donald. <laughs> Jeff, you mentioned this sort of newfound tinkered offense with an emphasis on crossing routes and yards after the catch as a way to sort of offset the loss of Calvin Johnson. Do you think that Matthew Stafford has the ability to sort of function in that offense? Do you think this is going to be a good fit for him as well? Yeah, you know what? We saw some of it at the end of last season. Uh, they fired uh, Joe Lombardi halfway through after the, the debacle, um, one of the many debacles in the first half of the year. They were 1-7. Uh, they, they went to London, got blown out by Kansas City, uh, and that was the first game with Jim Bob Cooter. They got their bye after that, and when they came back, uh, they went 6-2, and two, and their offense uh, ranked in the upper upper half of the league and Matthew Stafford was phenomenal down the stretch 19 touchdowns and two interceptions working that same basic sort of concept where he's getting the ball out quicker to make up for the the, the shaky offensive line uh getting the ball to guys like Golden Tate uh the, the reliance on Calvin Johnson went down even after that Riddick caught a lot of balls Amir Abdullah caught the balls out of the the, the slot uh and out of the backfield uh you saw TJ Jones step up a little bit at the end of the year so they, they sort of transitioned to it at the end of last year, and Stafford did great with it. Uh, nobody ever talks about this, but Matthew Stafford actually set an NFL record last year. He completed at least 60% of his passes in every single game. Nobody had ever done that before. Uh, so for all the people that think he's this inaccurate goon out there, uh, that, that's simply not true. It's an old narrative, but it dies hard because there are still times when you look at Matthew Stafford and you think, look, God, look at all that talent, and he's just not good enough. Uh, and that's what we're hoping for in Detroit is that he finally gets it to where he is consistently good enough. We've seen probably 18 of the last 24 games he's been good enough, but uh, the ones that he wasn't were were bad, <laughs> to, to be nice. Well, Jeff, and, and you mentioned the uh, the weak offensive line in, in the passing game, but also this was a Lions team last year that was anemic in the running game, only picking up uh, about 1,300 yards over the course of the season between all of their backs as well as Stafford running for 159 yards. What do you see coming from this running game in 2016? Is it going to be improved, or is it going to be more of the same? Uh, it should be better, and the biggest reason is that they drafted Taylor Decker to play left tackle. In the They drafted him in the first round. He's going to help pass protection, but what it did, they kicked Riley Reef to the right side, and he has been the star of camp uh, from all of the, the beat reporters and all the guys that are watching it. They're like, wow. Wasn't he like breaking face masks and helmets and stuff? Yes, yes he is. He is, he is kicking butt and taking names and breaking face masks and, and sending, you know, beat reporters who not weren't exactly big fans of his are like singing his praises. So it's real. And, and he, last year, the, their right tackle situation, Michael Ola was their best right tackle last year. And he couldn't start on a bad Bears offensive line. He wasn't even good enough to be a backup there. So that tells you where they were at. I mean, guys like Corey Robinson, Cornelius Lucas, uh, Adrian Waddle, uh, who just couldn't stay healthy, it was awful. So now that they have stability at both tackles, 
that's really going to help. You've got Lakin Tomlinson wasn't very good at left guard in his first year. There's hope that he's taking a step forward. Uh, in the one practice that I saw, he looked a little bit more with it. Um, it looked like he was thinking too much as a rookie, and it looked like he was a little bit more comfortable. Uh, again, it was just one practice, but generally the, the reports are, are pretty solid. Center is still a giant black hole, uh, so they're not going to run up the middle all that effectively, but I think you're going to see them run to the edges better, and that suits the backs. That's that's where Amir Abdullah can make his money. That's where uh, where Stevan Ridley, uh, who's probably going to be the number two back, uh, does pretty well. Zach Zenner, if he ever gets some run, if you've ever seen Zach Zenner play, you know he likes to take the handoff straight back, take two steps to his right, and then try to get around the edge. Uh, and if if Reef is blocking there, uh, and and Larry Warford is inside to him, and and when he's when he's got his legs under him, he's one of the best run blocking guards in the league still. Uh, yeah, they, they certainly have the potential to be a much better running team, even though they don't have a lot of talent at running back. Jeff, I want to ask you about that center position. I mean, obviously it looks like Travis Swanson will probably start there, but do you think he will eventually be the starter? Do you think that's his job, or do you see him getting pushed from either Eichard behind him or Glasgow, the rookie? Oh, Gabe Eichard is just so bad at his job. I can't, <laughs> I can't envision him getting it. I mean, he's he is not an NFL player, but unfortunately right now Travis Swanson has been the best in camp. Uh, Graham Glasgow was the third-round pick out of Michigan. He is really struggling. Uh, he's exceptionally tall for a center. He's six foot six. He just doesn't sink his weight well. Uh, the other day, I saw Tyron Walker just absolutely demolish him. Um, guys who can get into his pads quickly are going to destroy Glasgow, so he's not going to start. Uh, it looks like we're going to have to roll with with Travis Swanson again. Uh, he he was very underwhelming uh, in his first year as a starter. Made us all miss Dominic Riola, which is a fairly hard thing to do because not many people liked Mr. Riola. <laughs> Jeff, in terms of uh, you know looking at this team on the defensive side of the ball, and when we start to look uh, at some of the moves over there, who's been impressing uh, you this year as far as new bodies in the camp uh, that may be able to make a difference? Well, they got... The, last year, the defensive line had a lot of trouble staying healthy other than Ziggy Ansah. And this year, Haloti Nada is healthy in camp, which is great. He wasn't last year. Tyron Walker is back from the cheap shot injury that he suffered against Seattle. Uh, he looked great, uh, and, and he's he's killing it in camp. Uh, so, that, so they have two bona fide starting defensive tackles. Those guys were just never healthy at the same time last year. Uh, Karan Reed proved himself that he's a, a quality rotational backup, but shouldn't be more than that. And now that's what he is because Ashawn Robinson was the second round pick. And let me tell you, this guy was an absolute steal in the forties of the draft. He is, he is not going to put up big numbers, but he is going to help everywhere on that defense. He can collapse the pocket from the inside. He knows how to steer the, the, the block into the hole. He knows how to get to the, the point of attack and do something once he gets there. Uh, just a, a phenomenal, all-around, smart, intelligent football player. Uh, and he brings some nastiness with him, too, that I think the team missed a little bit. Uh, he's going to have a big impact on the team, if not the stat sheet. So uh, the defensive line looks a whole lot better. Uh, they have they have pretty much dominated, especially on the inside, um, where, where, again, they're going against the weaker part of the, the, the offensive line. That has to be taken into consideration. But, uh, yeah, the, the defensive line looks a lot better. Ziggy Ansa is, of course, Ziggy Ansa. Uh, Detroit fans tend to overrate him a little bit, and I'm going to get pilloried for saying that, but it's true. Uh, he's really good. 
but he's probably maxing out as a, a 14 or 15 sack guy. And there are some people in town who think that he's going to get 20 and that's just not, not real. But uh, on the other side now we've, we've got, it's an interesting mix. Devin Taylor came on at the end of last year, and now you're hoping that Wallberry or Stephon Charles, kind of lower-level cast-offs from other teams, uh, can step up. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but it, it's at least a deeper team than it was a year ago, and I think being healthy will help a lot because uh, the defense struggled early last year. They picked it up at the end of the year as well uh, in the 6-2 and two finish, uh, and they need to keep that going. Uh, the, the line has to be good because the linebackers right now are, uh, oh, boy, do we have to talk about the linebackers? We we, we don't. We we can avoid oh, it. We'll, no, I've got questions and <laughs> questions, my friend. Mark, Mark's got a couple questions for you on that, but just a quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football. Crossover Football can help coaches win more games and make smarter use of the film room with your team. Crossover breaks down and stats out your game film, giving you searchable clips, advanced ODK, tendency reports, and a wealth of other great info that you can access from any PC or mobile device. Your formations and personnel packages can be labeled with your own terminology, and you can create custom highlight reels and exchange video with anyone on the platform, including all of your players and coaches. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon. And you get one free breakdown if you sign up today. Mark, you can ask about linebackers. I think I have to because Jeff has a, he has a he has a piece up on sideline report right now, his observations from the mock game that he attended. And there's some great stuff in here about the linebacker play. People have to go read this. But Jeff basically says that, for example, Kyle Van Noy, he didn't even want to write oh. anymore about it because oh. he, had, he had caught he had cut a video about it and it made him so angry he didn't want to write about his play anymore. So Jeff, I'll just give you an open mic to vent for a few moments about this linebacking group. Okay, there, I'll, I'll say this first. They'll be decent against the run. Tahir Whitehead in the middle is very good against the run, and Josh Bynes on the strong side is okay against the run. Uh, and, and Antoine Williams, the, the the rookie from Georgia Southern, is going to be really good against the run in sub-packages uh, when they put him in. Uh, but beyond that, this was a year where we desperately need DeAndre Levy back. I, I, don't, I don't think people understand just how much the defense missed him last year. They missed DeAndre Levy last year more than they will miss Calvin Johnson this year. Uh, and, and that's not saying that DeAndre Levy is that great of a player, but he had that sort of impact on the team. He was the glue that held the defense together. He was the playmaker at the second level. He is the best cover linebacker in the NFL today. Uh, you can argue with me with all day if, if you want on that, but, that, but that, I, I know that to be true. Uh, and, and unfortunately, he's still sidelined. Uh, with a mysterious hip injury that we've never heard what the cause was, what the exact diagnosis was, what the prognosis is. Uh, and it's, there's, the general consensus is that he's supposed to be ready for the beginning of the year, but at this point it's getting hard to count on him. So, And if he can't go, then you're going to have to lean on Kyle Van Noy. And Kyle Van Noy, oh, oh. He's just that not good, huh? an, he's not an NFL football player. And I never thought I'd say that because I loved him in the draft process coming out of BYU. He's he just he doesn't see things fast enough. And then when he does see it, he's not reacting fast enough either. Uh, he got burned in coverage on a, on a simple route. I mean, I, I, as you guys know from being with me, the senior bowl, I, I'm in the end zone. So I get an all 22 view on plays all the time. And the, the play was at the other end of the field. And I saw Cole Wick, who's going to be the number two tight end in this offense, 
run a very pedestrian out route. And Van Noy was his whole job on the play was to see what Cole Wick was going to do. And he just didn't react fast enough. Stafford threw the ball out there. It should have been intercepted. Instead, Van Noy was late to get there and then overran the play. And Cole Wick, that's right, Cole Wick turned it up the field and would have had a huge gain off of it. And that's, that's just unacceptable for a guy who was the second round draft pick. Uh, he, a couple of years ago, he's been a major, major disappointment, and it would not surprise me if he's not with the team. I don't think they'll cut him, but I, I sure as heck think that they're going to try to trade him. Jeff, this seems to be a secondary as well that is somewhat patched together at the start of camp here. What's your outlook for that unit? Yeah, I'm higher on it than most people. Uh, I love Darius Slay, and I think that he earned the contract that made him the seventh highest paid cornerback in the league. That's about right where he's at. Uh, he has he has a lot of swagger. He even when he gets beat, it's one of those like he, he gave up three touchdowns last year where he actually had a hand on the ball in the end zone, but the receiver somehow came down with it. So a little bit of what's well, just hard luck. Uh, he's very, very sticky in coverage. Uh, needs to work on, on going on in cuts a little bit better, but uh, he, he's definitely a number one corner. Uh, and Glover Quinn is a fantastic playmaking free safety. Uh, if he played for Dallas, they'd, they'd be putting him in Canton right now. Uh, nobody has more interceptions than him over the last two years. He, he's he's just a very heady all-around safety back there. Uh, the other secondary spots are a bit of an issue. Uh, I like Nevin Lawson as an outside corner. Most Lions fans disagree with me on that. We'll live and learn on that. He was okay last year uh, when he took over for Rasheen Mathis when, when he just couldn't go anymore. Uh, Quandre Diggs in the slot is pretty good. He, he showed out very well as a rookie, and I, I'm bullish on his chances. Uh, but that that strong safety spot, oh, you got honestly the best guy there is Tavon Wilson. And if you've watched the Patriots, you know Tavon Wilson never needs to be on the field other than special teams. Take some of um, the worst angles to balls oh, I've yeah. ever seen. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, they drafted Miles Killebrew in the fourth round, and he has the exact same problem that you just said about Tavon Wilson. Uh, and he actually is a little bit stiffer of an athlete too. So uh, he he needs to bulk up and move the linebacker, in my opinion. That would that would help solve some problems. Uh, or or they could just play nickel all the time as they used to do under Jim Schwartz. That's actually not a bad idea uh, because their their talent is at corner, uh, although it's thin. Uh, they don't have a lot of depth there. Uh, I mean, if Don Carey is legitimately seeing the field as the sixth defensive back, and right now he probably is, that's a really bad sign for the depth in Detroit. Uh, they're going to have all, a load of trouble with teams that have guys, bigger guys that can play in the slot and tight ends that can get down the field are going to murder the Lions this year. And I don't see anybody that's in camp that has the ability to stop that from happening, unfortunately. So that, that that's the number one weakness on the team of anywhere on the team, uh, anywhere on the offense or defense is, is the coverage uh, from, from the linebacker and the safeties not named Glover Quinn. Jeff, I was going to make you talk a little bit about Jake Rudock, but since we've just talked <laughs> about that secondary and linebacker and core, I want to let you end a little, on a little bit of an uplifted note. So tell me and tell our listeners, who is Cole Wick? Where does this guy come from? Cole Wick is a rookie undrafted tight end from Incarnate Word, which is a small school in Houston, uh, or not Houston, San Antonio. Uh, and he is, he's, you know what, he's an impressive guy for being just a guy, if that makes any sense at all. On a good offense, he's, he's a project developmental number three tight end. 
And in Detroit, he is number two right now because the other options are Matthew Mulligan and the rotting carcass of Brandon Pettigrew, who's probably going to go on PUP uh, and may never play again for the Lions uh, because if he if he's healthy enough to go, uh, they might cut him or trade him. So the, the, the tight end is a major issue. Uh, there's not a lot of depth in the interior of the offensive line either unless uh, rookie Joe Dahl steps up. Uh, and you know what? Rudock, Rudock's going to be in the practice squad all year because Dan Orlovsky is the, the number two behind Stafford, and he looked very good Saturday. Uh, and reports are that he's he really likes this this new offense uh, for Jim Bob Cooter as well, and it's clicking. So uh, one one less worry that we have a little bit. Although, uh, honestly, if, if Matthew Stafford goes down, this is a 2-14 and 14 team. But I, th- I think everybody kind of expects that anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, what, no, what, I will give you a positive. And, and, and Chuck, you'll appreciate this. Here we Sam go. Martin, Sam Martin, that guy can punt. Sam man. Martin's got a big leg. And he's getting control over it, too. Um, Lions fans only ever remember the shank that he had in Dallas that kind of cost us the one shot at, we had at a playoff win in the last 25 years. Uh, and and they, they begrudge that. But he's a, he's a phenomenal punter. He, he's definitely a top 10 NFL punter. And uh, he was booming it the other day. They were doing a drill. He's kicking it from his own 30. Uh, and, and deliberately doing the coffin corner drill and knocked five of six out out of bounds, off of bounds inside the five yard line. And I was I was impressed. My wife was watching. She's like, "Wow, that's pretty cool." Well, so, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. Sam Martin. Even last year, you talk about his uh, his control of the ball, and he's a guy. He's got you know again pretty pretty decent leg strength. I think he was maybe one or two percent above the NFL average out of his own end last year, but he only had one touchback from inside uh, his own 40-yard line going forward, so he kept the ball out of opposing teams' end zones, which when you're punting in short situations, that's the biggest thing you can do is don't put the ball in the end zone because then they're getting it on the 20, so I've always been a Martin fan, even though he doesn't get the uh, you know he doesn't get the press of the big guys, you know the McAfee's in the game or the John Ryan's, but he, he's very capable. And I'll tell you, and and look, Jeff, I kind of hate to say it, you might need him a little bit this year. I mean, you, yeah, you, um, you, he's going to get I'm some reps. Concerned. He he will he will probably be in the top ten in punt attempts this year. I'm gonna I'm gonna comfortably guess that right now. Um, because I, I do think this offense is going to put up points in fits and spurts, but I think they're also going to have stretches where if they can't establish the run and and if for whatever reason, and, and Stafford has always been this guy where he just goes cold for like two or three drives and, and misses everything. Uh, yep. And, and, and they, they have they have 10 plays over three drives and it gains 15 yards uh, and, and they're up against it in field position. That's one of the reasons why Martin is so important. Uh, but it's also a reason why why the defense really has to step up and maybe create some more turnovers this year. They did okay with it last year, and if DeAndre Levy comes back again, he he's great at it. Uh, he he led the league in interceptions uh, of any position in 2014. I uh, did it at linebacker. Uh, if he and Quinn are back there, that that's a pretty good progenesis of uh, of turnovers. But uh, if not, uh, it, it could be a long year. Send out the punters. It's all you got to do. All you That's guys are like sending the clowns. Uh, <laughs> oh, why you want to do it, like Mark? That? You are not hosting any more shows ever. Oh, yeah, I had to sneak that one in there. Turn off his mic, man. That was a Come tough on. one. That was hey, a tough you know, one. Not, Matt Prater has looked good as well. Although I, I do have to grouse on this, we drafted a long snapper in the sixth round, and he's not better than Don Muehlbach, who's the the most tenured line. He's been there for this will be his 14th season if he makes the team. Uh, this is going to be an interesting thing to watch uh, in the, the control between Jim Caldwell, the head coach, who's a holdover, and Bob Quinn, the new GM, who drafted Jimmy Landis out of Baylor, 
who, who comes from New England, um, clearly the better player is the veteran Muehlbach. Uh, but it would be it would be hard for a, a rookie general manager to, to draft a to go through the the atrocity of drafting a long snapper and then have to cut him. Uh, so that bears watching to see who's really got control of the roster on hey, the team. Look, <laughs> ma- maybe they can sneak him through the practice squad, right? You know, maybe. <laughs> it's I mean, like we, we've now gotten to that point where we're talking about practice squad long snappers. So Jeff, I, I, look, I consider that a victory for the show here. So we'll call it quits. But I really appreciate you joining us. All right. Anytime, guys. Pleasure to be on with you. Keep up the great work. And hey, man, that crossover thing. That sounds really cool. You guys got a nice little sponsor. I'm going to have to check that out. Thanks, brother. They're not bad. We appreciate it. We certainly do. That is Jeff Risden from the Sideline Report. We are done for the day. We'll see you tomorrow on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks Podcast. <laughs>